If you would go ahead and put your name on that Connect card that you were handed when you came in, you could put that in the offering basket after the message. Uh, today we're looking at the third message in the after series, and next week uh, I'm going to deal with some questions that you have. Uh, so there was a Facebook post uh, already out. Uh, it was also out on the Happening Now. If you would like a, to ask a question about what happens after uh, you can also find me on our website and just email me directly, and I'll be looking at some of those questions. I have a few already about uh, commonly asked questions, things on our heart about what happens after. Today we're going to talk about heaven, uh, which is a lot easier uh, in a way than talking about hell like last week, uh, but I don't really think people have any clearer of an understanding about what heaven is like. Uh, than they do about hell. Uh, people put their concept of heaven and what it will be like together uh, from memes and jokes and movies like Ghost and Bruce Almighty. Uh, if you're old enough, you might think that God looks like George Burns, uh, not Morgan Freedom, uh, Fre- Fre- Freeman. Uh, if you're under 30, you're probably thinking, Who's George Burns? Uh, you can go home and Google it, and uh, it, a movie will pop up, and there's some YouTube clips out there that are hilarious. Uh, but what is heaven really like? Uh, some people think heaven will be like this eternal church service. Like we will all be in white robes, we will have halos, and we will sing for eternity. Uh, if you like to sing, you might think that sounds great. Uh, if you don't like the sing, you're probably thinking, please tell me heaven is something else other than that. Uh, let's look at some scripture this morning and let it inform uh, our opinion instead of uh, other things. So 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So you get the sense from that verse that whatever heaven is like, it is going to be absolutely incredible. Better than anything we could imagine, anything that we could dream. Uh, As a preacher, what that verse tells me is that I'm going to fail this morning (laughs) uh, trying to describe it to you. Uh, Because no matter how well I do at trying to paint a picture of what heaven is like from Scripture, it's not going to be anything as amazing as what heaven will really, really be like. Because no eye has seen, no ear has heard just how amazing heaven is really going to be. The things that God has in store for us are going to blow our minds, our imagination, our experiences, and I just can't do it justice. But I'm going to give it a shot this morning because it's too important not to have you there. The book of Revelations gives us some details about what heaven is like. In fact, it'll tell you the size in cubits and the type of material that it's going to be made out of. But just so you know, the book of Revelations is highly symbolic. And heaven is more about the presence of God than the building materials that are used in it. Amen? Heaven is about being with God, not about walking on streets of gold. Walking on streets of gold will be awesome, 
but it's not going to really matter because God is more precious than gold. And I think that might be the author of Revelation's point in describing how awesome heaven is going to be and all the materials used. Have you ever had one of those moments in life where you think to yourself, you know what, it doesn't get any better than this. Like right here, right now, this feeling, this experience, this moment in time, it doesn't get any better. Anybody ever had a moment in their life when you've thought that? Uh, a, a number of you have, and I, I'm glad you have. Some of you, like after I ask the question, you're like, okay, yes, me. Uh, sometimes it's a glimpse of a sunset that bring, just takes our breath away. That was actually at Mammoth Park two weeks ago. Uh, it could be a special me- memory with family or a moment with a friend that just lives in your mind forever. Or maybe it's your wedding day. Oh, see, Lisa looks as beautiful now as she did ever, and uh, I actually had hair. Or, or maybe it's the birth of a child, or the first time you held a grandbaby. Uh, that's actually Holly and Kelly uh, when they were born. And if you look, you can actually tell who's who in the picture. But the truth is, even those moments when you think to yourself in this life, it doesn't get any better than this. Heaven will be better than that. It'll be more amazing than that image or that time that came to mind that it doesn't get any better than this. It'll be better than that for absolutely ever and ever. And I think sometimes Satan tells us lies. And Satan really doesn't want us to believe that heaven will be that much better. And some people don't realize that Satan used to be in heaven. Uh, Isaiah 14 talks about when he was thrown down out of heaven. Uh, He wanted God's position and God was on high and God cast him out into the pit, it says. We know it as hell. And ever since that time, Satan has been lying to us about eternity, both heaven and hell. Last week, we looked at some of the lies that Satan tries to convince us of about hell. But I think God also has so much in store for us that Satan doesn't want us to experience, that sometimes Satan lies to us and says, you know what? Heaven can wait. God can wait. A preacher once asked his congregation if everyone wanted to go to heaven. If anybody wanted to go to heaven, raise their hand. And everybody raised their hand in his congregation except one man. So the preacher thought, you know, I'll turn up the heat and the the peer pressure a little bit. He said, if anybody wants to go to heaven, if people want to go to heaven, if you know you want to go to heaven today, stand up. And everybody stood up except this one man. And after the service, he went up to the gentleman and he said, brother, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? And the man said, well, sure, I want to go to heaven when I die, but you made it sound like you wanted to go today. Kenny Chesney actually wrote a song, if you're familiar with country music about that, and it's hilarious, but it doesn't take into account 
how awesome heaven is really going to be. I'm not sure that people are convinced that heaven is better than this life. And our hearts often don't drift to heaven and the promises of God. They drift to, you know, how can I maximize this day and how good this could be if only our our hearts just don't drift there. But look at Psalm 84.10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The moments in this life where you think it doesn't get any better than this, they won't compare. Not one day. One day in God's house is worth a thousand of those moments because those moments in heaven will be eternal. The moments in this life are all tainted by sin. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The moments in this life are temporary, and they are often tainted by sin. Uh, In that picture of the beautiful sunset, uh, the sun went down, it got dark, It wasn't the same anymore. In heaven, it will be glorious forever. In fact, we'll see later on, it doesn't even get dark in heaven. They will be. Those moments will last forever. And the good news is that you can know that you're going to heaven now and in this life. God made the way for us, and he made that way clear. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Anyone who lives and believes in me, Jesus said, even if they die, they will live. And he describes this life, that that we live on this earth as the abundant life. Why? Because through faith, we already have one foot in eternity. In fact, I'm of the opinion that those experiences in life, when you think it doesn't get any better than this, I think that's like a window into the glory of God. That, That sunset is a glimpse of what God has in store for us. That's temporary. But someday, it's going to last forever. And it'll be more amazing like that than that a, a hundred thousand times. And we're going to sing of his glory, not, not forever. It won't be just like this uh, a continual church service. But we're going to worship him because that love from the blessing of God, those moments like it really, really doesn't get any better than heaven forever will cause us to worship him in what we do, in what we say, in the words we sing, in the way that we treat one another forever. What you believe about what happens after really does affect what you do now. But it's sad that many people really don't know where they're going to spend eternity. And that messes with how you live now. But you can know for sure, and you can walk kingdom living now. Imagine with me that that you're traveling at 
a high rate of speed in your vehicle. And for some of you, that was on the way to church today. Uh, but you're driving at a high rate of speed and you're being careless. And you drive around a corner and you hit some gravel and your car starts to skid. And you're sliding towards this huge oak tree off the road. And in a moment, everything freezes and holds still. And Jesus suddenly appears at the driver's door and says to you, if you'd like, I'll take the wheel. And you think, as the country song says, Jesus, take the wheel. You open the door, you get out, Jesus gets in. And when the car door closes, the vehicle speeds back up and slams into the oak tree. Jesus' head goes through the windshield, blood everywhere, and he dies. Jesus literally took your place. It's easier for us to imagine a car accident because we've seen them. But on the cross, Jesus really did trade places with you. Our sin put him there. And he willingly traded places with us and died our death to offer us life. He did it out of obedience. He did it out of love. He did it because he desired fellowship with us that would last for eternity. With the time that that we have left, I want to look at some more scripture and just get a, a glimpse at what heaven is really, really like. And I'm going to look at uh, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4 this morning with you. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So what what do we learn about heaven from this verse? One of the things that might be surprising to you, first of all, is God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, Some people envision this all coming to an end, everybody going to heaven, and that's it. Uh, Scripture says God will create a new heaven, and a new earth, and supposedly we will all inhabit the new. Uh, why does God create a new? Because the old passes away. The old is corrupted by sin, and God is going to make everything new. And the heaven listed in this verse may be kind of like... Un- according to the Jewish sense of heavens, there's three, uh, the sky that we can see, outer space, and then the kingdom of heaven, the holy city. 
Heaven in this verse is not capitalized. So the new heaven, the new earth could be what we can see, what we know, the, the earth, the heavens kind of a thing. Just to back that up, let me share an Old Testament verse with you. This is Isaiah 65, 17. See, I will create new heavens, plural, and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So when God creates everything new, they're going to be so incredible, so amazing that we, we won't kind of remember, we won't recollect the old because the new will be so much better, so transformed. A New Testament verse that says something similar. 2 Peter 3.13 But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So what, what will be different? The new heaven and the new earth, what will be there? No trace, no record, no remnant of any sin at all will be in that place. We are told that righteousness will reign and that God himself will dwell there. We also assume that we will reign with God on this earth, sort of like he intended in the Garden of Eden. We may work. Uh, we, we may use our God-given talents to do a job. If you remember, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were told to work the garden before the fall. So work in general is not necessarily a part of the sin curse. Work being toil, a pain in the neck, everybody has to go to work on Monday, uh, is part of the sin factor. But work in general isn't sin, especially if you're using your giftedness to bring God glory through it. So what, what do we know, first of all? First, there will be a new heaven and a new earth and some of the things that we experience now might be experienced on the new heaven and the new earth, except without the tainting of sin. Second, God will do away with death, mourning, crying, and pain. Let that sink in for a minute. What, what bothers you now? Do you experience headaches? Gone. Your back giving you fits? Brand new. Arthritis? No such thing. Anxiety? Nobody there ever experiences it. Addiction? Nobody fights it. Sickness? Your nose won't even drip. Have you ever lost someone and had to deal with the pain and the heartache? Not anymore. Not there. Whatever bothers you, whatever hurts, is an effect of sin upon this world. And it will be gone when God makes all things new. And all God's people can say, Amen. Take it a step further. Any tear that you have shed, any hurt that you have experienced, this scripture says that God himself will wipe away your tears. What will heaven be like? Totally new. Totally untainted by sin. Second, it will be forever without death 
or mourning or crying or pain. And third, God will dwell with us and he will live among us. The way that we understand God now, the way he's portrayed in scripture, is that if you or I would see the face of God, we would die. Uh, in the Old Testament scriptures, to see God's face meant sudden death. So when Moses wanted to see the face of God, God said, listen, I, I, I tell you what, you hide your face in that mountain over there. And as I pass by you, I'll take my hand and I'll shield you just in case you try to peek so that you won't see me. And as I get by you, you can look at my back, at the train of my glory, the hem of my garment, because if I didn't do that, you would die. And Moses is said to have seen the, the glory of the Lord as he passed, and it absolutely took his breath away. Remember what they used to do to the priests when they went into the Holy of Holies every year? They, they actually tied a rope around the priest's foot and they put a bell on his garment because if God's presence showed up in the flesh to the priest, everybody assumed that dude's dead. So if the bell stops ringing, nobody's going in there, get him. Because <laughs> the risk is too high. We're going to just drag him out by the rope. In the new heaven and the new earth, we are told that we will see God face to face and live. The disciples got to see God in Jesus. And Jesus said, you have seen God because you've seen me. Now, Jesus was dead and buried, but he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, we will see God face to face for all eternity in unbroken fellowship, just as God intended it from the very beginning. Look at Revelations 22, verses 3 through 5. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There's that disappearing always light. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. In that moment, when we see the face of God, when we see his glory, his love, his mercy, Every longing, every need, every desire that you have ever had will feel totally fulfilled in the presence of God. We will worship him because of how good he is and how indescribable he is. And we will dwell in his presence together forever. Most people in this world think that, that heaven is actually everyone's default destination. It is not. It is only your default destination if you choose to trade places with Jesus. He died 
He stands at the door. It's not a car door. He stands at the door and he knocks. And he asks if you would open the door so that he could trade places with you. But you have to open the door and ask him to take the wheel, to come into your life, into your heart, so that your eternal destination is heaven. Not everyone gets to go. Matthew seven thirteen through 14 says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's most people's default destination. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. I want you to know that you are on the narrow road. I want your desire to be, to be with God and to see Him face to face and not believe the lie of Satan that this stuff can wait till later. Because everyone knows that those who wait till the 11th hour end up dying at 1030. Heaven is for real. And God has made the way to him clear. And his heart is that you would go and be there with him and it will be indescribably better than you could ever imagine. Just have to invite him in. So let's pray together. Yeah, this morning... We pray that as we worship, as we enjoy your presence, that you would give us a glimpse of that indescribable love that you have in store for us, that as we have one foot in eternity now, that we would start, God, to appreciate the abundant, narrow life living that leads to life everlasting. And God, if there is anyone in this house that hasn't taken that step to, to, to knock on that door to invite you, God, to in as they hear your call of salvation. God, I pray that they would invite you in this morning. This morning, we're, we're going to just pray this prayer on the screen uh, in case there's even just one person that has never invited Jesus in and wants to this morning. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus is your son who died for me so I could live for you. Take me off the broad path. Put me on the narrow road that leads to life. Jesus, you're my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for new life. Now take all of mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.